Welcome to another edition of Practical Reliability, insights on the practical implementation of holistic reliability, brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success. Hey Joe, today we have uh, none other than Mr. Joel Leonard. Now, now, you know, this, this is going to be a slightly different angle on our normal podcast, and we're going to talk an awful lot about something that most folks probably are unaware of. Uh, let's do a brief introduction on Joel and kind of get to know him a little bit. But Joel is a national advocate for essentially makers and maker spaces. And he, he assists um, maker spaces and, and different flagship events and help to promote what a maker is. So yeah, this, this should be interesting. This will be really cool. Welcome. Awesome. Welcome, Joel. How are you today? I'm great. It's glad to be on here back in my old world and reliability world. So good to good to be a part of this so so joel I, you know when <laughs> i contacted joe and i said hey hey joe we're gonna we're gonna get um joel leonard on the show and, and he's gonna talk about maker and he was like oh yeah he, he makes scotch yeah let's, let's talk about <laughs> maker's mark <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Yeah. We, we were really excited but but then you know then he's sending me some information i'm going this has nothing to do with scotch you know? <laughs> so, so joel well, 45,000 gallons are burn up in the state of kentucky so uh, <laughs> you heard about you heard about that church that met there, right? They said, shall we gather at the river? But, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, Joel, why don't you give us well, a brief introduction you... about yourself? Well, as people from the maintenance and reliability world probably remember me, I uh, for most of my career, I actually set up maintenance training programs, build curriculums, and since 2002 was on a uh, my life's mission has been to build the next generation of skilled technicians uh, because I attended the SMRP conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And at that conference, we had 600 attendees and 90% uh, of, of them raised their hand saying that they were going to retire in the next 10 years. And that was in 2002. Right. And many of those people have not only retired, a lot of them have moved on. I mean, actually passed. So, so, uh, uh, I wrote a song back then, believe it or not, after some barley-infused beverages and Terry O'Hanlon and Greg Stockton and several of us were sitting at the table. And I said, you know what? I said, you know, after that uh, poll that he did, I walked outside and there were 5,000 people standing in line that were these young kids that we say aren't interested in what we do. Well, they were out there in 30-degree weather singing uh, songs, trying to get on American Idol. So I, I was telling him, I said, you know, getting engineers to get more engineers ain't going to generate enough engineers. We need to go outside the engineering world and get everybody knowing that we got these issues. And writing a book ain't going to do it. Writing a magazine might get more, but maybe we need to write a song and get these kids to who are singing songs in 30-degree weather. Maybe some of them would catch on and make think about this. So what kind so of feedback did Simon we, give you when you sang? <laughs> well, well, I didn't sing before Simon, but uh, but what happened was when we were at this at, at getting the barley infused beverages, a guy named Greg Stockton says, "You know, that's a great idea, but you won't do it." And so, you know, when somebody tells you you can't do something, you 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 do it. And so I wrote the song and then had a a guy named Harley Denio uh, who was in a garage band when he was in high school, he got some buddies together and they actually put to music my song. Then I put it up. If you Google maintenance crisis song, it's still up there. 
it's had over probably 12,000 downloads. And uh, that was back in 2003. Well, since then, that song's been re-recorded in 15 genres. It literally has gotten me around the world. It's been played before Congress, been played in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When the White House Office of Science and Technology Protocol, they sent it out to libraries and schools all over the country. And, again, it's been played at the... It got me to speak before the Euro... I was the first American to ever speak at Euro Maintenance at the opening address. And well, I you gave speak, them a. Or did they want to get, get you to sing the song? Is that why you're there? Well, I, I, I spoke <laughs> and then I sang and then, uh, uh, and, and believe it or not, they invited me back. I couldn't believe that. But anyway, that's awesome. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, the song is uh, it's called the Maintenance Crisis Song, and it goes: No one wants to work in the boiler rooms. No one wants to work with the tools. Our nation's youth are taking the easy way out. There's no one left to fix our schools. <laughs> How safe does that make you feel? How safe does that make you feel? So, so that song again, the same lyrics but different genres. It's been reggae, hip hop, bluegrass, opera, gospel, uh, French, Italian, German. Uh, uh, two versions of Greek, believe it or not, when they had the Greek, uh, the Euro maintenance conference, they had two different versions emerge. So, and it's been played in New Zealand and Australia and all over the world in engineering conferences. So, and then I wrote a song to get more ladies into the profession. I wrote a song called find me a maintenance one. (laughs) And so was that a country song? Yeah, it is. It actually is. You may laugh and you may jeer, but you can keep your Britney Spears because I need a woman (laughs) that can work with gear. See, I can't use a girl like J-Lo. I need a woman that can make things go. One of those out DC current clothes. Once you find me a maintenance woman. So these songs... You need a woman that fits more than a sandwich, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And so, but what's neat about it is, and again, it's gotten people to think about things in different context and, and, and start to get them to uh, realize that we can't just look at our old uh, traditional um, stereotypes, especially when you got high end electronics and you got these big uh, bulky guys, you need somebody with uh, small fingers that are nimble, nimble fingers and nimble minds to not just do what Superman does and wait for something to break and then be the hero. But go in there and fix it before it breaks. And so we've got to open up the doors. We've got to set up more opportunities for more people to be exposed to things. And that's why uh, back in 2014, I got a wind of a movement that had been around for a while, but I didn't really know much about it. And I found out some geeky dudes were meeting at a coffee house. And, uh, and they were talking about all these great things that they wanted to learn how to make. And, uh, so I went to one of those meetings and they were passing the hat and they started raising some money so they could eventually have a building that they could be able to do this in. And, uh, when I found that I was like, wow, that's what I've been advocating for. That's what we got to have is we got to have a place where people learn how to make stuff because they learn how to make it. They also <laughs> learn how to fix it. Right. So, so, so uh, uh, and then I find out how big and broad this, this movement is. And there's now 3000 
uh, maker spaces out there. And I got invited to the Congressional Maker uh, uh, Congress as uh, they made me, uh, I'll tell you more about it in a second, but they made me a, a member of the Agents of Change. And I got invited to the uh, uh, Obama administration, had a special meeting. And there's 3,000 maker spaces all over the country. And they're basically community workshops. And the thought is, if you want to build the middle class, you got to give the middle class is the dominion of tools. And so the rich don't need to learn how to use the tools because they can hire the middle class. And the poor doesn't have access to the tools because they can't afford them and can't afford the training. So if you look at the maintenance and reliability sector, it's the dominion of the middle class. The people that know how to use the tools and do it best are the ones that are making the most money. Yeah. So, so if we want maker space then just so I understand, is basically uh, a space in the community. It's kind of like a, would it be like considered like what we would call a chapter or something like that where you guys get together and um, kind of learn how to tinker with stuff? Or what, what Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's the, the, to make it easier to understand, what I correlate it to is like, it's like a, a gym or a YMCA or a Planet Fitness, except you don't lift weights, you make stuff. Nice. And so in, in the memberships typically are priced so low that anybody can join. If you can mow a yard, you can join because it's only like 50 bucks a month. So, um, so they make it, they price it so low, they get, they price it. So you got skin in the game and you take it seriously, but also they price it so low, they make it easy for anybody to get in there. And that's the real challenge is they want to make it more inclusive to not just the uh, the intellectually elite get in there like Sheldon Cooper's, but get people in there that, that need access to tools and equipment and resources. They, they can then be able to move into some of these prosperous opportunities our economy needs them to have. So, so. what is a maker's fair then? Well, a maker's fair is uh, – where you bring in, and this was something set up, uh, there's an organization that was called Maker Media, and they basically started these things about, I guess it's about 10, uh, 15 years ago almost. Anyway, it's like a country fair and a science fair mixed together. And it's just the great, it's the craziest things you've ever seen are put together on display and it's a great way we wonder why we don't have kids excited about tools because we don't promote the tools we don't promote the crazy gadgets and and uh, uh we don't celebrate it so this is what that is it, it's a maker fair celebrates these things and there's over 700 maker fairs that go on in the course of a year now all over the world and so these things are huge now, they kind of imploded to the point where just recently the two big ones, the one that was in the Bay Area and the one that was in New York, uh, kind of lost its funding. And so those two have just went away, but in uh, Maker Media is reorganizing now. But Make Magazine's a great magazine, and they're going to be bringing that back here soon. But it's basically the popular science of, of this generation. And uh, it teaches people how to make stuff and build stuff and celebrate things. And you got robotics, you got um, all kinds of gadgets and gizmos uh, are brought to these events to showcase that. And then 
I mean, there's a guy up in, the, uh, if you come up to Rochester this November, November 22nd and 23rd, I'm going to be up there. I'm hoping George will join me. And we're going to have, uh, they have five, I'm sorry, 8,000 people show up with eight inches of snow last year. That would never happen in North Carolina, I can tell snow. you that. They, they each brought no, eight they, inches of snow. Oh, they made a they snow said they No, no, they said inches. they had 8,000 oh, people buddy. show up with eight inches of snow on the ground. I know. I was only kidding. They made a giant snow plow so they could all walk. Man, could you imagine? Yeah, but it is Rochester. Like, folks are used yeah. to that up there. Well, yeah. Eight inches is not 127 yeah. inches annually. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't care about eight <laughs> inches, right? <laughs> yeah, North Carolina, we would have called that. The, yeah, when North Carolina, we call it eight inches. It would be a lifetime blizzard. I mean, yeah, 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 but, yeah. uh, wow, that, uh, so, that's a uh, huge event, Joel. I mean, that, I, I'm really excited and, and looking forward to, to actually going to that event. You know, it, it, locally, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on what might be directly in my area, but I but I actually know you know not to not to promote or you know mention a company name, but there's a lighting manufacturing company that's nearby. My son went to a Votech high school here, and they had a summer camp where the kids kind of essentially you know were tinkering and and were engineers um, being coached and mentored by the staff there. And then they would do projects at night and actually build lighting kits and build different things and, and kind of get a better understanding of, of that side of the fence. And, and I thought that was amazing. What you're saying is, that, you know, th this is just a whole nother level. This is really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's basically a fairground and all the booths are encouraged to be interactive. So it's a, uh, it's, well, the kids are getting turned on. I mean, we literally went from a society where we told kids to uh, to go play on a computer and don't do anything else and don't worry about anything else. And now they don't have to do anything else. They can't even change a tire. Uh, so, so now we've got a whole generation coming up that you want to hire some electronic technicians. You want to hire some people that understand computers and robots. Well, heck, they're teaching them that now, and the kids are – Nine, ten years old are doing what adults are doing in the maintenance department. I mean, it is incredible the skill sets that are being developed. And in these maker spaces, the greatest thing that happens is intergenerational cross-sharing that goes on where the workshop skills, because they took the shop classes out of the school system, um, the workshop skills are being taught by uh, experienced pros and so the, 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 uh, my generation's teaching these classes and we're learning from the kids how to use the cell phones and how to use 3d printers. And it's amazing. This cross sharing that's happened. And I've got kids, I call RPs. I call them my retirement plan because they're going to be, they're going to be so successful in five to 10 years, they'll be able to take care of me and I'm getting their business and their career launched in the process. So, uh, it's really amazing. And it's so heartwarming when you hear about all the negative things in our society and stuff, when you get to see these things in action. And I want to mention up in Rochester, there's a guy that lives there. His name's Adam Foster. He actually invented what he calls fire trumpets. And these are basically 15 foot metal tubes that have propane gas that shoots out of them. Uh, in, a, in, 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 he said a fire trumpet. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's what I'm awesome. saying. That's what he's making. 
these makers, I mean, they build fire breathing dragons. I mean, they build all kind of stuff. And a lot of the things they have at Burning Man, they bring to these events. I mean, it really is uh, uh, like a, a huge celebration of technology. Both I, old I and hear new. that you wield a hammer. Yeah, I, uh, well, again, it's kind of neat. They call me the Johnny Appleseed of the maker movement because I go around the country trying to get more kids and more people excited about the makers. And so, you know, I was was trying to think of what can I do to stimulate more interest in kids to get them excited about working with tools and everybody can relate to a hammer. So uh, a couple of years ago, when we wanted to get our maker space uh, to to I'll, I'll tell you more about my involvement in building a makerspace. The first year I built one, I had 16 new companies formed, nine patents filed, and over 50 people got jobs. And we quickly maxed out the 3,000 square feet that we had in a bad neighborhood. The first night of the first class that we offered, uh, the night before at 2 o'clock in the morning, because the laws were you'd close down your kitchens at 10, but you can still serve alcohol till. Until uh, you let them out. Well, four hours later, they're all making bad decisions, and their four people got killed uh, uh, right within a hundred feet of our makerspace. So, uh, so we actually started inviting the cops in and other first responders in as free members, and we started developing such a good rapport with them. We started inventing things with them, and it was incredible. Uh, the relationship. So we quickly maxed out the space that we had there. In fact, the city just gave them last year $100,000 because we're now taking homeless folks and turning them into getting their skill sets up to a speed where they can get some that good is, paying jobs. That is so That's amazing. I just feel like I don't do so, anything now. <laughs> I don't. I feel useless. Thanks, thanks, Joel. I feel well. So... What you're doing now? I did. The you're dishes. giving me a platform. <laughs> you're giving me a platform where we can share this with an audience that's. I know they're they're average age of maintenance guys. Got to be in the mid fifties still around the country, yeah. and they're always saying they can't find talent. Well, I'm telling you where you can find them. Okay. So uh, these makerspaces can do it. So we we were maxed out at 3,000 square feet. Well, we found that there was a 10,000-square-foot building, but we needed more money. So we just got donated about 500 pounds of metal from a machine shop that was scrapped. They were literally going to scrap all this metal. Well, they gave it to me, and I started playing with the, all these different pipes and things and started putting it together. I said, you know what? That looks like a hammer. Heck, let's weld this together and use this to smash a car and raise money. We had a, a Volvo donated to us, and we smashed this car and then gave it to some artists, and they turned the other parts and other things and turned artwork. So we raised five thousand dollars by letting people pay us thirty and fifty bucks to whack with our fifty-pound hammer, which we call the Thorminator, half Thor, half Terminator, nice. and uh, it's aircraft aluminum. And it's super, uh, it just looks cool. And uh, so what's interesting is uh, earlier this year, one of these techies I was vending, uh, went to, and again, he did like my buddy says, you can't do this. Well, he says, what does that hammer do? I said, well, you pick it up and it gets kids to put down their dang cell phone and pick up a tool. And, <laughs> and he said, well, I thought it would do more than that. That's just a prop. Well, that 
take me off. And I says, I'll show him. So <laughs> I went up to New York. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll show you what it does, right? <laughs> yeah, I should have smashed his phone. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he, uh, so I went up to uh, New Jersey, the unbelievable makerspace. You're talking about intergenerational cross-sharing. There's a 72-year-old man and a 28-year-old young man. And they partner together, and they make the most incredible stuff. So I was telling them about my challenges, and a 21-year-old happened to emerge in this conversation. And he says, so you want to build, put some LEDs to your hammer? And he says, yeah, I can do that. And I said, he said, now you want to, uh, he had 300 LEDs. And so he brings down to the Nation of Makers National Conference, which was in Chattanooga, right at dusk. They drove all the way down. I think it was like 15 hours down from New Jersey. They show up, and they turn this thing on. It had its own built-in Wi-Fi inside the hammer now. And you turn <laughs> on your yeah. – Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you and control so the you, lights yeah. and, the, and everything from your phone. Well, i got to ask this. Then. Yeah, Is it like near mirror? Uh, do you have to be worthy in order to wield that hammer? Or Well, you just got to be bold. Wi-Fi? See, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, you can change the colors by using the Wi-Fi. And so we, <laughs> we put this thing out there, and it got to be dark. And so it was incredible. We had like 200 people pop out of nowhere wanting to get their pictures made with it. And when you're inside of it, you can't really know what the glow radius is. But when you, I've still seen some pictures, and it's <laughs> Man, it's got a 50-foot glow radius. I mean, you change the color, the whole background that's all around you is that color. <laughs> I mean, it is incredible. Uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. And, in fact, I, I got to meet the city officials and the mayor before the event, before it happened. I said, you need to know who I am because this looks a lot more dangerous than what it is. <laughs> and I might get arrested if you don't know what's happening here. <laughs> so where was that at in, in New Jersey, Joel, if you don't mind me asking? Well, this uh, the Maker Depot is in, is in a place called Tottawa. It's about an hour away from downtown uh, New York. So... Um, so they, um, this group is incredible. I highly, there's a guy named Urbano. I got to tell you about Urbano and Stanley. Urbano's 28 years old. He had Andre the Giant disease. He had, uh, when he was like nine, 10 years old, he was wearing size 13, 14 shoes. And he, uh, his parents caught it young enough and got him the hormones. So he stopped his height group, but he's about my height, but he's got twice the size and feet. He wears a size 23 now or so, same size as Kill with. Yeah. And so anyway, you imagine if you're in inner city or in New Jersey and you go out and play in a park and you're wearing size 13 shoes and you're eight, nine years old, you ain't wearing those shoes when you come home. They take those from you. Mm -hmm. So uh, his parents would lock him up. And, you know, he's like, they didn't want him getting beaten up, take his shoes. So he ends up, didn't have anything to do. He learns that becomes an unbelievable artist, an unbelievable sculptor, and he gets fascinated now with electronics and robotics. And he is symptomatic. There's a lot of kids like him that kind of grew up latchkey, but they learned how to do some cool stuff. In the maintenance world, if they could take an Urbano, my God, you could literally power a factory <laughs> with that one guy. I am not kidding. That, 
I mean, again, he put a Wi-Fi. He got this other kid, Bradley, and they worked together. That kid was only 21 years old, and they made that thing uh, put 300 LEDs on a, on a piece of metal, and damn, now it's something special. Right. So, you know, Joe, we always talk about about mechanical aptitude being a lot more important than years of experience, right? And and you know, one of the things we see when we try to bring folks in is, you know, you interview them and you look at their resume, and that doesn't really tell you enough. Um, you know, there's a there's a big difference between one year of experience, twenty five times, and twenty five years of experience. And 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 folks, you know, measuring somebody's mechanical aptitude is not always the easiest thing to do, and there are mechanisms to do that. Um, but you know, going to a makerspace, you're, you're getting folks that, you know, this is their bread and butter and what they love, right? I mean, it, they have a passion for it. Absolutely. They're doing this for fun. They're not doing it for money. So let me tell you about Stan. Stanley's 72 years old. He's been retired for years. He's trying to be relevant. So he goes and hangs out at these places, and he sees these guys, uh, these young kids coming up who think they know everything, and he goes in there and shows them what they don't know. And, and he... Uh, like, like, for example, Urbano was like, you know, I really wish that uh, I could have had a, a dustable belt sander. And he just says that kind of, you know, not expecting anything. You just have to say it. Well, Stanley, again, he's trying to be relevant. So he disappears, comes back two days later. He comes in with a former motor that was in a sauna and also a skateboard bearing and some other springs and other things that have locking mechanisms in it. And the pulley system with the with the belt to, um, with the uh, sand, sanding belt, and he basically made in two days out of trash uh, an adjustable belt sander that gives Urbano the ability of, of making curves and 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 figures that he could never do with a regular belt sander. That's amazing. So, so that then so that partnership that I'm talking about is the having the old season guy and the young kid getting to hang out with each other and build and make stuff. I mean, all these maintenance guys that are listening to this and you're sitting here around saying I can't find anybody. Well, get out of your dang shop and go to a makerspace and watch them play. That's I'm telling awesome. you, you will be impressed. So and you go to a maker fair. The what? So, Joel, what, how how do folks find out more information about this? So you're you know you're you're giving them a call to action, and that's fantastic. How, where do they go to get more information and to learn about this? Well, they can contact me if they want, uh, and I'll try to help them if they want to email me joelskilltv at gmail dot com. But all they got to do is Google uh, Maker Spaces. Uh, Google Maker Fairs, find out where there's one close by, and if they don't have one, call me up. I might be able to help you build one. And again, the Nation of Makers is a national nonprofit that was set up. Uh, now, these things were started uh, uh, years and years ago, but the Obama administration really got behind it, and the Trump administration has been supported too. So, so it's not a presidential political thing, but it's amazing what there's now there's there's energy and investment. In fact, the Small Business Administration is just put out. They will announce this in August, which makerspaces win twenty, a hundred, or two hundred thousand dollars to turn their space into really a workforce development zone. Awesome! That's amazing. So, That's so, very cool. 
So there's some unbelievable – yeah, this is catching interest in a national level. And, and again, the, what I – in the school systems, every kid now is coming up has got an elementary school or middle school or high school. It's got a maker space in it. But what's really cool is the ones like Maker Depot and, and other places around the country that are community workshops where you got the retirees and you got the kids hanging out together and rubbing elbows and exchanging ideas. That's where you're seeing inventions happen that never would have happened any other way. That's really, really cool. Well, Joel, listen, uh, we're we're just about running out of time here. We want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. Um, Actually, you know, I think it's you said November you'll be out in the Rochester area. I'd love for us to be able to go up there and, and, you know, either – Maybe we do a session from there or take some video of the Maker Maker Fair and, and exactly, you know, kind of give people a better experience. Um, that would be really, really interesting. So we're going to keep our eye out on that. We'll keep in touch with you, Joel, and, and hopefully we can make that happen. Well, there's a bunch of other Maker Fairs around the country. And if we got any employers that want to get connected, reach out to me, joelskilltv at gmail.com. And I'll connect you. And again, if you're looking for talent, go hang out. And if you don't, you know, it costs like $3,000 to buy an ad in a newspaper. Uh, if you give a makerspace $500 or give them some of your old equipment or some of your old stuff, they'd love you and they connect you with their best talent. And you might have some people there that you never would have found in the unemployment line. That's awesome. So, That's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Joel. It was really, really cool talking to you and to learn all about the maker maker spaces and maker fairs and and just what a maker is quite honestly and and you know how well, i'm thrilled you know, well i appreciate you letting me launch this i'm really behind the eight ball it, terry o'hanlon has been trying to get me to write a book about this for a long time and i just had too many other things going on but i need to get that done because the maintenance and manufacturing sectors need to leverage this activities because it's Really, it, there's no other groups out there that could take advantage of it better than, than that sector. And and we got to, we got as you said, we got to make her happy. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, have a great day. For questions on this or any other topics, email us at ask at reliabilityx.com. This has been another episode of Practical Reliability brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success.